listening to SBS On The Money with Ricardo Gonsalves. Hi everyone, it's your daily 10-minute business and finance news wrap for this Wednesday, the 20th of April, 2022. Later, big takeovers are back on the local share market, but first to Netflix, where its share price was slammed in after-hours trading in New York overnight. Shares lost about $54 billion. And the question is, Netflix about to stop password sharing. Well, for the first time in a decade, the streaming service provider lost subscribers down 200,000 in the first three months of the year. So what's the company going to do about it and how will it affect its users? For more, Rochelle Harrison-Pless spoke with Tamar Lever. He's a professor of internet studies from Curtin University. The number of Netflix subscribers has fallen for the first time in 10 years, and apparently that's due to um, some price hikes in key markets, but also Netflix pulling out of Russia um, amid the uh, conflict in Ukraine. But surely there are other factors. Would you be able to sort of tell us about that? Absolutely. So there's a lot going on in the streaming market. So Netflix has had unprecedented growth for a huge amount of time compared to to most other types of entertainment. And it's certainly true that while it's the the market leader, everybody else in the market has basically reorganised and refocused on streaming. The the pandemic sort of supercharged um, those those places, those industries, those groups that had already been starting to to work around uh, moving into streaming all through everything they had into, into that uh, development. So Disney is probably the, the biggest example. Disney Plus launched just at the beginning of the pandemic and Disney Plus already has, I think, around 130 million subscribers. So for, for a relatively new player, it's an astronomically sized competitor to Netflix, which really didn't have a huge amount of competition in the streaming market. Uh, we've also seen these sort of older existing uh, content uh, creators in the US, especially that had been focused on cable networks, have managed to refocus now, for example, so HBO Max, which is a new player in the US, which sort of feeds Binge, I guess, and Foxtel in Australia. Those uh, markets have refocused. There was a a whole year where every feature film was released same day and date on HBO Max as it was in cinemas, for example. So there's a lot of content, a lot of money being thrown at at new entries into the streaming space uh, growing, and they are growing. Now, Netflix is still the market leader. It's still the largest of these services. But with a lot of competition, a lot of other things happening, including the, the pandemic finally easing, so people just aren't spending as much time and as much money on home entertainment. They're actually going out again. Um, and the fact that, you know, I think we're talking about 200,000 people um, as the loss, but just pulling it out of uh, Russia, Netflix had a lot think lost something like 700,000 subscribers. So there's lots of things all happening at once. But the biggest problem for Netflix is that the, the share price trades on the belief that Netflix will grow forever. And that simply can't be true. It can't be sustainable. So while this is probably a, a natural correction in their growth, which have been artificially inflated because of the pandemic, at the same time, people's faith in the sort of the miracle of Netflix, I guess, has been shaken a bit. And so that's why we're seeing the share price tumbling in a way that's probably not really consistent with the relatively small loss that they've suffered. Now, Netflix says it will crack down on account sharing um, in a bid to sort of uh, gain new, uh, to make more money and gain new subscribers. Um, How can they enforce this when, you know, so many of us do this already? We all sort of share passwords between friends and family um if they were to bring that um that element in will will it be enough to to sort of um 
reinvigorate the uh, Netflix uh, subscription service? Oh, Netflix is going to probably look at all their options now. So password sharing is a significant issue for them. Um, they certainly have the technical capacity. They know, how, you know what devices you're watching from. And if one family is watching across 15 devices, that's probably a sign that maybe some of those aren't family members that live in the same house, for example. And it might be that Netflix is, is more carefully defining what a family or a group is. It might define it as a household. So you have to be physically proximate, not just related to each other, for example. And I do think Netflix hasn't really focused on that because growth has been, as long as growth happens, then that's a secondary concern. And you are going to have a backlash when you start blocking people and saying, no, you're not a member of this family or this household. So I do think there, there are subscribers to be gained in policing that more fully. But at the same time, there is some ill will that that will bring that, that Netflix has simply not wanted to confront that yet because, you know, it's it's a... It's a growth strategy that looks not, not desperate, but it's a growth strategy when your other strategies aren't doing as well. And it's also true that, that Netflix is, is flirting with something it said it would never do, which is it's considering maybe having a much cheaper tier, which is ad-supported. So Netflix has always been adamantly, we will never have ads. And that in the last six months, that rhetoric has changed to, we don't really like ads. And now today for the first time we heard, well, maybe an ad-supported ad layer, which is much cheaper, isn't the worst idea in the world. And, and that basically says Netflix is putting everything back on the table. It knows it needs to regain growth. And if that means having a much cheaper version with ad advertising embedded in it, then Netflix is opening that door really for the first time. So it is clearly considering any way that it can to reinvigorate growth. Um, it's It knows that it's in a marketplace where it's got much, much stronger competition. So I think we will see all of these options probably played out. Tamar Lever there from Curtin University speaking with Rochelle Harrison-Pless. Now to the Australian share market, which rose today, but only just. The S&P ASX 200 up by 0.1% to 7,569. Earlier in the session, it did touch record levels. And that's because one sector did particularly well, that's health amid a big takeover. For more, I spoke earlier with Luke Laradiv from Seneca Financial Solutions. Yeah, positive lead from Wall Street overnight certainly helps Ricardo. Uh, though interesting today on the ASX, it's more the defensive industrial names that are sort of dragging the market higher. Um, the ASX though is only up around 30 basis points with the resources stocks actually down 80 basis points, uh, which is kind of muting gains that we're seeing in the healthcare sector and sort of consumer facing sectors. Okay, you mentioned Wall Street, US reporting season in full swing, the headline overnight, Netflix, which saw a drop in subscriber numbers. How important is this earnings period for the market and what are you seeing? Yeah, look, reporting season always important and for many of our ASX-listed companies, they've got counterparts, customers, suppliers over in the US from who we can really gain you know, valuable insights from during reporting season. Uh, so far, the investment banks and the payments companies have performed kind of well so far, which could have sort of bodes well for the likes of Macquarie on the ASX. Um, and we've also seen good performances and reports from some of the COVID recovery names and those who've been impacted by some of the supply chain constraints we've seen um, as a result of the pandemic and also a little bit uh, Russia-China conflict. Um, more interestingly for me, though, is probably going to be the US rail operators and some of the trucking businesses when they report over the next week or so. Um, you know, listening to their management teams can give you a really good gauge on things like inflation, you know, how the broader economy is performing and also where commodity price pressure might sort of fall. Um, I suppose as for Netflix, um, some weak guidance coupled with disappointing subs. Um, competition in that streaming sector is getting really hot um, and it has really been that way for a number of quarters now. 
um, you know, despite winning market share sort of as a cohort off, you know, free-to-wear TV, um, the streaming sort of business, I think, now has kind of, you know, well and truly passed its peak from an investment perspective and, you know, returns are going to be lower from here. Uh, I guess the key theme for the market, so it's all about rising inflation and rising interest rates. How is that impacting the way you invest and what do you see as the opportunities right now? Well, look, inflation kind of affects all businesses, but not equally. Um, you know, some companies are able to pass on the costs of rising inflation, you know, through increasing their prices, um, you know, while others, due to the nature of their business or their industry, sort of aren't so lucky um, and wear those costs in their margins. Um, I suppose for us at Seneca, you know, regardless of sort of the economic cycle or, you know, timing of the markets, uh, we kind of have a distinct preference for high quality businesses. And that really means businesses that are able to grow independently of the economic cycle and kind of able to maintain or or grow margins, you know, independent of of inflationary pressure. So that means, you know, pricing, pricing power, essentially. And those kind of businesses are generally conservatively run and sort of have adequate cash reserves. Um, you know, should opportunities present themselves. And, and so that's just kind of the companies that we like to invest in generally. So, you know, right now, um, you know, we're seeing a lot of investors taking a lot of interest in the commodity sector and, and some of the resources names. They're generally not the kind of companies that we look to invest in. And as a result of, of that bullish market, we've seen some sell-off in, in these quality names. And I think there's a real opportunity there for investors now um, in some high-quality you know, defensive and, and, you know, growing businesses, um, you know, Computer Share, ARB Corporation, Collins Foods, Aristocrat Leisure are the kind of names that spring to mind for me um, as businesses that are able to sustain margins and, and grow sort of regardless of the, the economic outlook. And finally, if we can just get uh, some commentary on what I think is probably the biggest corporate story of the day, that's Ramsey Healthcare received uh, a $20 billion takeover bid for the company. Um, what's the appeal? Uh, well, from what I've read, and probably I'm, I'm no better read than anybody else, but it seems like management are open to the idea, and, and I suspect you know private equity suitors you know may continue to emerge for Ramsey. Um, you know, I don't think KKR are unlike you know they're unlikely to be the only PE firm that are interested in in Ramsey now that sort of management have indicated. Look, you know we're open to open to offers for lack of a better word. I think what is really clear to me now is the amount of money that's been flowing into private equity over the last two or three years. From investors as they're chasing, you know, returns in a low interest rate environment, um, has is now driving up sort of deployment from PE firms, and that means they're looking for ideas, they're looking for ways to spend money, and I suspect we're going to see more of these large scale deals, um, you know, focused on these structurally sort of supported infrastructure, healthcare, you know, waste management. KKR also apparently chasing clean away uh, waste uh, on the ASX. So I think it's a, a bit of a trend that we're going to start to see emerge just because of the amount of the weight of money that some of these PE firms need to spend over the next, you know, 12 or 24 months. Luke Larrative there from Seneca Financial Solutions. This SBS On The Money podcast is provided for informational purposes only. The content on this podcast should not be understood as constituting advice or a recommendation. It is not personal advice and does not consider your personal circumstances or objectives. You should contact a licensed professional before making any financial decision.